Amen. Communion is a special time. It's the beginning of the month. And I love to say that it's an opportunity for us to even reset things in our life. Amen. Amen. Communion is for us to do this in remembrance of Him and what He has done for us. And uh, I think it's really, really special. I think it's special that our young people can be up here with us as well for that. Um, One thing that I wanted us to do this morning, um, I want to have the um, elders come up here and um, get the communion elements ready. And uh, I'm going to have you actually stand up here because I'm going to have everyone come up here and receive theirs. So if you want to come up here now, that'd be great. Are you coming? All right. Just wanted to make sure they're still doing it. All right. Uh, I want to read really quick uh, Mark chapter 14. Um, You guys can get the elements if you want there. Um, Mark chapter 14, the Last Supper. In verse 22, Jesus declared, as they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it, and then He broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, Take this, for this is My body. And He took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and they all drank from it. And He said to them, This is My blood which confirms the covenant between God and His people. It is poured out as a sacrifice for many. I tell you the truth, that I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it in the new kingdom of God. I think it's amazing as he was sitting there with those people, uh, his disciples, um, them understanding in that moment what that, the gravity of the moment for Christ. And they actually didn't know what was going on. And yet Christ knew full well what was going to happen in his future. And we have these communion here. I want you to take a moment. I want to have Sandra play for a little bit. But just take a moment this morning, just to kind of reset some things maybe in your heart and in your mind. And just ask God, just God, is there anything you want to reveal to my life? Anything you need to get off your chest, so to speak, before we come up here and receive these? And then we'll partake of them together after you go to your seats. Whenever you're ready, you can come up.
Give, give you one. Here. Here you go. I get to give you one. Here. <laughs> you got one? We're going to read this morning as we're going to be talking about more shipwrecks today. And, uh, going through shipwrecks and the heartaches in life and what we go through. And uh, Paul, when he was going through that shipwreck, there was a part in there where he said, guys, it's time that we eat. And he raised up the food and he gave thanks to God and he blessed it on their behalf. And I want you to know today too, when it comes to communion today, we're also raising this on behalf of those in our life and our loved ones, not just ourselves, but we can raise it on behalf of those for us. You know, Jesus said, by His stripes we are healed. And so this morning we can raise this up and say, God, thank You for healing in my life. Thank You for healing in my body, in my mind, and in my heart. Thank You, God, for making my life complete. Shall we partake together of the blood and the wine? I'm sorry, in the body and the wine. <laughs> Amen. If we could have our young people go off to Children's Church. Miss Ashley's got great stuff for you. Charlie, you're dressing good again today. Likes to match me. I match him, I should say. And uh, I wanted to do something really quick too. Um, Steve, you can hit me later. I want to pray over Mr. Steve today for his knee. So I don't like it. Anyway, I don't like it. Do you like it? I don't like it. So I'm going to go over there real quick. I want to uh, lay hands on him real quick. We're going to pray for healing for that knee. He's been having this knee issue, to say the least. So you just punch me now. <laughs> Which knee are we on again? I forget. Okay. If you just want to extend your hands over to Steve here, we're just going to pray for healing for him today in that knee. Lord, I thank You for my brother Steve. And God, for Your calling on his life. And Lord, I just pray that You would touch his knee today, the tendons. Lord, anything that's going on with that. Um, Lord, all the details. You as the great physician only know. We just pray, God, for release of that knee, for healing, for amending. I just pray that You would mend him, Father. And I know that the surgery is coming up. But God, I pray that You would do some surgery beforehand. Father, I just pray and thank You for the power of the Holy Spirit that uh, healing is the children's bread. Yes, Lord. And Lord, we just together uh, link arms and thank You, God, for just blessing Him and taking care of Him. Yes, Lord. And taking care of all the things going on in, in His body. Yes, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. Yeah. Amen, amen. 
Well, anybody think you're going to... Well, wait, I don't want to get into the title yet. we got to do water still again this week. I think we still have some more more young people. Uh, it, it's crazy when you start adding up all the kids, and we start. Uh, we have a major water, water budget here. It's great. So, no, we thank you, uh, Jim and Donna Maria. This is another one. This is great. Um, but I think Allie, where, where Allie, Allie, have you been up here yet for this? See, let's give it up for Allie. Allie's looking forward to this. Anne was helping me. We're trying to figure out, okay, who's next? So, Allie, you're next, okay? You have body armor, superior hydration, okay? This stuff is so amazing. It has a high-performance pH 8-plus proprietary sports electrolyte formula with wide-mouth bottle for faster, superior hydration. Finally, a water that works as hard as you do. This is for you, Allie. Let's, let's pray a blessing over Allie this morning. Lord, we just thank You for Allie, and Lord, Your Spirit on her. Father, I just thank You today that You're her armor, and that You're her strength, and that You're her protection, Father. And no matter how strong she thinks she needs to become, Father, I thank You that You're her strength. God, I thank You, Father, today that You're her presence in her life. And Lord, when she is weak, God, Your strength is made perfect. God, I thank You that she can depend upon You and she can be blessed and know, Father, with all assurance that You go before her and You make her a champion in all that she does. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. And you know the rules. You drank the body armor and you tell us how amazing it is, the wide mouth thing that's going to get the electrolytes going and does performance and everything. So, Tyler, you just watch out now. She's drinking body armor. Will I survive? Turn to someone and say, am I going to survive? Yes, you are, by the way. God's going to get you through shipwreck part two last week. And then this is a hard stuff that we talk about. And um, Ann was asking me how it was going with the message. And I said, well, it's going good, but I hate talking about this. And uh, it's not fun. I wish we could talk about really fun things and cute things and, you know, fuzzy bunny stuff. And, but how many have been through a shipwreck in your life by a show of hands? We've been through a shipwreck, and some of us are going through a shipwreck right now. And Paul had come to a place in his life, if you turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 27. Why don't we start in verse 26? Actually, we'll start in verse 25. He gives a little little prophecy in there. God spoke to him some secrets that no one else knew about. He actually said, uh, well, actually, we're going to go back to verse 21. Should we get, we're we're going to back up to Genesis chapter 1. We'll start there. No, verse 21 of verse uh, chapter 27. I'm so sorry. I'm sure now. That's final. <laughs> going once. No one had eaten for a long time. Finally, Paul called the crew together and said, Men, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete. You would have avoided all this damage and loss. But, everyone say, but. Take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. For last night, an angel of God to whom I belong and I, whom I serve stood beside me. Isn't that a good thing? And he said, Don't be afraid, Paul. For you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in His goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage, for I believe God. It will be just as He said, but we will be shipwrecked on an island. 
Now that ship that they went on, it wasn't a little dingo, it wasn't a cute little rowboat that they were going on. They, this was a supply ship. In fact, they said it probably was a huge grain ship. So they were going on this. You had ship captains. Nobody likes to talk about shipwreck, and that's not a good omen when you're talking about these things. So here they were going out at the season when you have all the nor'easters and all the, all the storms going on. It's bad season to be out on the boat. Anybody ever felt that in life right now? You feel like it's a bad season to be out on a boat. But God's there and He says, don't worry, take courage. You will be shipwrecked, but you're going to end up on an island. Now we want God to tell us that we're not going to get shipwrecked. We want guarantees from God about life, don't we? We want guarantees that, well, how do we stop the shipwreck from happening? And I'm here to tell you today that everyone in here is going to experience a shipwreck at some point in your life. And if you haven't already, do we have any survivors of shipwrecks in here today? That's really cool, isn't it? That's a really good thing. You survived the shipwreck. You're alive. You're breathing. You got through it. And God was faithful in that. But I want you to know that there's some beautiful plans and purposes. Will I survive is the question. I want us to turn real quick to James chapter 4. And I think sometimes we get into these assumption modes and we start planning and doing our things and we just think life's going to do what it's supposed to do. And the minute we have a, a setback, we, we get mad. Warning about self-confidence. This is a good one. James chapter 4, verses 13 through 16 says, Look here, you who say, today or tomorrow we're going to be to a certain town and we'll stay there for a year. We'll do business there and make profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while and it's gone. What you ought to say is if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you are boasting about your own plans and all such boasting is evil. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not to do it. So you say, well, well Pastor, am I not supposed to make plans? No, I didn't say that. I didn't say you're supposed to wander aimlessly through life. But I would say, you know, we, we have all these parameters and these things that we step up. Maybe what we should do is, maybe, hey, God, if you will this, man, well, let's, we'll do this. What do you think about this? You know, when we're making all our plans and all of our assumptions about life, have we ever stopped for a moment and asked God if that's the plan He wants for my life? Because maybe it's not. And heaven forbid God make an abrupt turn into our life, and then we end up shipwrecked and we think that's the end. But it's not the end. Chuck Swindoll writes, Long before you face the storm, I urge you to soak your mind and your heart in the Scriptures. Read those great truths that give you a theological foundation. Then, when you face a tragedy in your own life, let the tears flow. Grieve. You can't get over your grief until you've fully expressed it. You grieve with a full perspective that God is in control. Meaning you grieve, but not like the people who have no hope. This can be true even in periods of devastating loss. I want to encourage you today because we live in a society right now that over-perpetuates and sells this attitude of I have to be happy all the time. We have to put a face on it. And, and I've always said this, if something crazy happens in my life, if I lose a loved one, don't come up to me and say, hey, 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 it's going to be okay, you're going to be great. No, let me cry. Or cry with me. Because I lost that loved one. 
I don't need you to try to cheer me up right now. I've experienced loss. Chuck Swindoll invites us to grieve. So the shipwreck isn't so much there is a loss there, but he said this. He said, take courage, because when we grieve as believers, we don't grieve as those who don't have hope. Have you ever met people that they're literally grieving years and years and years down the road, and they're still stuck in that mode? That's what we're talking about. There is a balance, though, of your time in your life. You're like, man, I just feel like I'm just crying through this stuff right now. I'm grieving. It's okay. It's okay. Remember just the other day, I don't know why, has anybody ever just felt like you just want to start crying? You just fell down. Just started crying in the kitchen. And I just embraced with Ann and she held me and I just started crying. I don't know why I'm crying. Shipwrecks, I don't know. Maybe there's seasons you go through. Is it okay to go through seasons? I, I can shake a tree outside right now and get mad at the tree for not producing leaves, but that's not going to make it produce leaves any sooner. When's spring getting here? Rah, rah, rah. You, sorry, you can think thoughts of spring all day long, but you're still going to be stuck in six inches of snow out there, brother. So we have our seasons. And we go through shipwrecks and we go through trials and we go through tribulations. Jonathan Martin writes, can I make it through the storm that is coming? And of course there are many storms fierce enough to toss you, to throw you, to destabilize you, and to scare you that don't result in a shipwreck. Some storms last only for a night. Some pockets of violent air are only turbulence. But some storms are more violent, and they're more relentless, and they're more exacting. Some winds will not be calmed. Some floods will not be dammed until they have their way with you, until they walk away with their pound of flesh. Whether or not, again, the storm finds its origin in the undomesticated wilderness of nature and of created things, or whether or not the storm originates in you, does not change the scope or scale of power of it. The storms that come will test us all, and it is entirely possible one comes to you that will end in your failure before the wind and the waves recede. Let me ask you, did anyone go through your storm perfectly, your shipwreck in life? Or did a few people fail in here? See, that's the other thing with a Christian faith that is so garbage. Is that we teach these truths and these tenets in the Scripture, but we don't allow people the opportunity to fail in their growth. So we don't allow people to err, if you will. We don't allow people to fall into the love of the Father and learn and grow through their mistakes and teach our young people to say, yep, you're going to stumble, you're going to fall, but not only is God there for you, but I am there for you, cheering you on to get you back up. We are horrible shipwreck disaster people in the church because we expect nothing short of perfection from people. Was Simon Peter a failure? I heard one, saw one person shaking their head back there, yes. Yep, he was.
But the spirit of the wind whispers for the words of Jesus again, inserting your own name for Simon's. Simon, I have prayed for you that your own faith may not fail, and even when you do, that your faith may grow even stronger through your failure. So you mean to say today that in my shipwreck, in my failure, that my faith can grow? Yeah, because you're not a failure. Just on the other side side of the shipwreck, Jonathan Martin writes, on the other side there's a stronger and deeper and richer and more integrated life that is on the other side of the storm that tears you to pieces as a capacity to love without a doubt, to live without fear, and to be something infinitely more powerful than the man or woman you were before it happened. I think you become stronger in that storm, don't you? You learn to realize what you can survive with and what you need and what you don't need. Like I said last week, you're not looking to get your nails done in the middle of a shipwreck. You're clinging to rocks and trying to get onto the island and kind of make it. Even though you may fail, your faith does not have to. I think every day of the week we need new grace and new mercy, don't we? Isn't there opportunities for us to come under the bloodstained banner of Christ again and say, God, forgive me for my trespasses and sin. Lord, forgive me for the attitude of my heart. God, forgive me for being me again this week. Yeah, some things are storms, but some things create and they won't leave you alone till they have their way with you. I love what John Piper writes. Never forget, by the way, dear believer, that your security rests in Christ's faithfulness first. Our faith rises and falls. Anybody's faith rise or fall this last week? It has degrees. But our security does not rise and fall. It has no degrees. It is possible to be so overwhelmed with darkness that you do not know if you are even a Christian and yet still be one. Wow. Anybody ever question your own salvation? Am I even a Christian? I can't even see outside. I don't even know how to define things anymore. You can be so overwhelmed with darkness in your life and yet still be a Christian. Your faith that you have This great salvation is based on the faithfulness of Christ to you, not the other way. See, religion has flopped it, and we flip it and we say, it's based on my faithfulness, what I can do, how I can prove this and do that for Christ. But when you get hit with a shipwreck and you didn't plan on it, now it's based on Christ's faithfulness and Him rescuing you. Has anybody ever been redeemed by God in here? 2 Timothy 2.13, you don't have to turn there, but maybe write it down as a reminder to you. If we are faithless, He remains faithful. Man, there are times when we just don't have the faith. We don't have the mustard. We don't have the pizzazz. We don't have the energy. We don't have that spunk and that spirit about us that we used to have. Can I tell you in the shipwreck, the idea is to survive. Take courage. The ship is going to be wrecked. 
but you're going to end up on an island. And then we start to worry and we pose our questions. Well, what happens when I get on that island? Don't worry about that. You just need to get survival through the ship right now. It's a huge thing that we understand. Can I give you another verse of Scripture, a promise for you when things aren't together right now and they're kind of messy? Philippians 1.6 says, He who began a good work in you shall complete it. I think for all of us it's important to understand that during the shipwreck we start to see again. We start to see who God is, that He rescues me. I need to be rescued. I need to be rescued. I need to be rescued. For all the harsh realities of the shipwreck, the gift is almost always the gift of seeing, of being open to new ways to see the world and to see yourself in ways you did not have the courage to see before. This is the opportunity for us to stop beating against the waves and cursing them and stop fighting against the tide incessantly. We are learning to accept the world as it is instead of what we think it should be and still love unflinchingly. Accepting the world for what it is and still love unflinchingly. In this way, the shipwreck is a sacred invitation to come and experience the world as God does with the heartbreak and the tears, to be sure, and yet with the perfect love that cast out all fears. I think it's important for us to kind of get into a place where we're at peace. You know, you can experience peace in the middle of that shipwreck. Paul had it. He had the assurance in there and understanding that we're going to make it. Now, did he have to go through the moments? Did he get tired? Did he start to sweat a little bit? Probably. Did he try to figure it out? Absolutely. But he didn't fight against those waves either. He wasn't cursing the waves. He wasn't incessantly going after the tides and saying, this is horrible. He just dealt with it and understood it is what it is. Turn to someone and say, it is what it is. We become so preoccupied with ourselves and lose our seeing because we only see ourselves. In the picture of that storm, there is a more bigger picture than the guys on the ship. Do you know who it is? The God of heaven. The one who creates the storms. Who has the world in the palm of His hand. Who uses the earth as a footstool. That God. The picture isn't for us to continually look at us and look at me and look at my problems. It is for us to look up and see from where my help comes from. Because my help will not come from me. I can't help myself. Pop psychology wants you to help yourself. Pop psychology will say you're good enough to do it. You're not good enough to do it. You can't save yourself. John Piper says stop looking at your faith. You know how many of us have really scrutinized our faith during the shipwreck and say, man, did I cause this? Did I do that? Did anybody ever do those kind of questions? Am I the one? I mean, what's going on here? Did I put too much over here? Am I not good at this? Am I not good at that? You know, listen, stop asking those faith questions in the middle of a shipwreck. Please stop that. Stop it. Rivet your attention on Christ and what He's done for you and for me. Rivet your attention. Attach yourself to the idea that God loves you. Attention, put it there. That God cares for you. That the very hairs of your head are numbered. Rivet your attention on the faith that Christ 
completed the work of the cross and He said, it is finished! And you'll start to see again. I think in the seeing we become like children again. How many would like to be like a kid again? Just a, just a kid again. Just, just you know, whatever. You know, I, I love it. Our children, they're, they're growing up. And I don't like it that our kids grow up. And you know, you, but I do like it. It's kind of fun, you know, seeing our kids grow up. And they're, but it's really cool right now. My nephew Chase, we had a meeting yesterday. And Chase was sitting at the meeting. And he didn't have a care in the world as he sat there, did he, Kathy? He didn't have any cares. It was just, he's just Chase. Chasers. That childlike faith is a beautiful thing, though, isn't it, for kids when they're going through storms? They just know mom and dad are going to take care of them. G.K. Chesterton writes, Children always say, do it again. And the grown-up person doesn't until he is nearly dead. For grown-up people are not strong enough to exalt in monotony, but perhaps God is strong enough to exalt in monotony. It is possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun, and every evening, do it again to the moon. It may not be automatic necessity that makes all daisies alike. It may be that God makes every daisy separately, but has never gotten tired of making them. It may be that He has the eternal appetite of infancy, for we have sinned and grown old, and our Father is younger than we. I started to cry when I heard that, that our Father is younger than us in His attitude, in His spirit. That He says, suffer the children not to come to Me. He, he loves kids. He loves creativity. He loves doing new things. But the monotony of it, it's just amazing, the moon and the sun. Have you ever taken a moment to get your eyes off your problems for a second? Have you ever taken a moment just to unplug and to look at the moon at night? Have you ever taken a moment to look at the sun? Maybe get up in the morning early and say, I'm going to get up and I'm going to watch this sunrise because I am tired of thinking about me. I'm going to look at a bird for a moment and I'm going to study the color on that bird. I'm going to look at that bird. I'm going to look at the dog. I'm going to look at the squirrel. I'm going to look at life. I'm going to look at the tree. I'm going to look at the snow. I'm going to look at it and realize that I'm going to get my mind off of myself. The monotony of life. You do not need to travel 6,000 miles to a special place to receive this childlike seeing that you and I need so bad. You don't need it. And do I dare say that you don't even need to have all your problems solved? Absolutely. You don't need your problems solved to see again. We become like children again. But you have to rivet your attention on Christ and not you. How many have got some things to work out in your life still? Good. When you get those things figured out, there's going to be four more you're going to have to figure out. Boy, if I could just figure this out. If I could just have the answer here, things would be so good. Oh, really? Do you know the battle on the other side yet? Are you so brilliant that you know that battle? So you solve that riddle. And now there's four more. And you open that and you go, Oh, God, what do I do with this? How many of you, you fixed the one problem and now you've got four more? We're so smart of in ourselves, aren't we? And our own wisdom. And we've lost sight. And we've lost the reality that God is God and I am not. And that we can trust Him in the stormy seas to get us through to navigate. You say, man, how do I navigate? I want to jump out of this mess. I want to escape the mess 
And God is saying, no, you're going to navigate through the mess. I need a navigator. I need a navigator through this life right now. Because just beyond that situation, yeah, I might have solved this one and I might have figured it out and I've got it all lumped together. Me and Ann were working on different things and finances and putting this here and putting that there and a little hitch came and then I panicked for a moment. Anybody do this? Or am I the only crazy in this place? You know, I, got, I got this figured out in a no. And then I realized it's okay. It's okay. Because I can't keep myself focused on me all the time. I can't continually look at me. I must look at Christ. I must change what I look at and how I see things and the shipwreck that I deal with. Turn real quick to Psalm chapter 40. Psalm chapter 40, verses 1 through 3. Would someone like to read that? You can't read it this week, Jen. Sorry. You're out. Amen. Did you catch that? He lifted me out of the pit. I didn't lift myself. I didn't do it. The miracle didn't happen because I got smarter and wiser. It happened because Christ is my Savior. I don't need Jesus to be my wisdom or my right-hand man or my co-pilot. God does not need a co-pilot, folks. If I'm the co-pilot, we are in big trouble here at Turning Point. I need God to completely take over everything. I need Him to take over all of it. Have you noticed the statement of hopelessness that we make in the dark are notoriously unreliable? John Piper writes, Our dark certainties were not sureties. While we have the light, let us cultivate distrust of the certainties of despair. Let me say that again. Have you noticed the statement of hopelessness that we make in the dark? They're notoriously unreliable. Or dark certainties, we're not sureties. While we have the light, let us cultivate distrust of the certainties of despair. When you're in a dark place, that is not the time for you to come up with thoughts of wisdom. You are not trustable with yourself. You are in a bad place. Let's just be honest. Turn to someone and say, you might be in a bad place. You're not... You are not supposed to philosophize. This is not the best writings of your life, okay? This is not the place of hope. You are reacting to the things coming at you and you're responding. Do we have any people that have reacted to a few things in your life the wrong way? You're in a bad place. Bad place. Don't you dare trust the spirit of despair. So many of us have the spirit of despair on us in the shipwreck. And we actually trust that spirit. 
God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of hope and of love and a strong mind. So when we're in a position where we experience the spirit of despair, we say things, and I would dare say, you know, despair, maybe do write them down and say, what was I thinking? That's what you need to say. You need to write them down and say, okay, enough of that garbage. I've just got to be honest with you. I am not in a place to talk. Do you know when you do not want to talk to me at about 4.30 on, do not have a meeting with Steve Lapp because my stomach is talking right now. It's going... Ann's like, is everything okay? I need to eat, Ann, in like 10 minutes, okay? I'm in a bad place. Have you noticed the statements of hopelessness that we make in the dark are notoriously unreliable? Wow. Have you ever noticed that when you turn the lights out in the house, all of a sudden your house got spooky? You turn the light, lights out and you start looking around. It's funny, I had a weird dream the other night and I woke up and I, was, I saw me and Ann's picture up on the wall and I was like, I thought something was in the picture. You know, you, you just go crazy. That's not the time to think rationally, folks. And I'm not making light of it. If you're in a dark place right now, we're going to get through it with you, okay? Amen? We're going to fight through this with you. Because there's going to be a time maybe when I'm really down where I'm going to need your insight because I'm saying stupid things. Don't you dare trust that spirit of despair going on. Assign it for what it is. Register it and say, yep, God, I'm down. Let me tell you, David wrote down through the Psalms a lot of despairing comments, didn't he? Isn't that beautiful that we can... The best book of the Bible, you know why? Because he rends his heart. It's wide open and we see throughout, throughout there, God, where are you? So if you're going through despair right now, give them to God. Let, let God know, God, I don't hear you right now. God, where are you? God is big enough to handle this. Why do we Christians lie to ourselves? But don't trust that spirit of despair. He also declared, why so downcast? Oh, my soul, put your hope in God. Let's get spiritual for a minute now. Let's get really spiritual. You ready? Practical Wisdom with Steve Lapp. Paul tells the men of the ship, you guys have been worried you haven't eaten for weeks. They're going through the shipwreck. They're worried. They're wondering what to do. They've, they're trying to come up with a plan of attack. And they've been out on this boat and they literally haven't eaten for weeks. They've been so worried. Anybody ever been so worried where you weren't even hungry? Paul says, you guys need to eat. This is not a time to pray. This is not a time to engage in four hours of of praise and worship and march through your house and declare something and throw anointing oil all over your house? No, it's the time to eat. Let's sit down and let's eat. This is the verse I use for my life every day. But let's get practical for a minute. Charles Spurgeon writes, the condition of your body must be attended to a little more common sense would be a great pain to some who are ultra-spiritual and attribute all their moods and of feelings to some supernatural cause when the real reason lies far near at hand. Has it not often happened that indigestion has been mistaken for backsliding and bad digestion has been set down as a hard heart? Isn't that funny? We need to really use some practical wisdom in our life. Man, if you're not eating 
things in your life, good things, you cannot ask God to bless your life if all you're going to eat is McDonald's hamburgers the rest of your life and milkshakes. Didn't get an amen there. You wonder where all your energy went to. You had energy for about 10 minutes and then it was over. (laughs) See, your food and what you put in your body is extremely important to everything. The cognitive, your, your brain food, you know they call it brain food because when you eat it provides energy to your brain. Men, you guys are going to go crazy. Eat! John Piper writes, I once started, I struggled with the truth that joy is the fruit of the Holy Spirit because I knew from experience that it is also a fruit of a good night's rest. What brought light to this perplexity is that one of the ways the Spirit produces His fruit in our lives is by humbling us enough to believe we are not God and God can run the world without our staying up too late and getting up too early. God has united the body and the Spirit in such a way that careless use of the body will ordinarily diminish our sight of the hope giving God the uh, hope giving glory of God. Not surprisingly, therefore, our joy in God usually decreases with inadequate rest. So our body needs a roughly eight hours of sleep a night. Now, if you think you can live on less than that, you are superhuman and you know something scientifically that everyone else doesn't know. But your body requires rest. So if you think staying up all night to pray, God needs me to pray, you know, we use that verse and we squish it, could you not tarry with me for one hour? And we get there and we're like, oh Lord, I, oh no, I need to sleep. Go to sleep. God's still in charge of the world when you go to bed, young man and woman. Can I get an amen? amen? Oh no, I forgot to pray for Sally. Oh no, Sally needs my prayers right now. I have been praying for Sally since before she was born, declares the Lord. You need sleep. You need rest. You need good food. You do need to watch what you eat because you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You need energy, that's why. And you need rest. Turn to somewhere and say, you need a good long nap. <laughs> you thought we were going to go really deep today, but isn't it funny? Isn't it funny? You know, back when we were kindergartners, I miss being a kindergartner. Oh, Mrs. Parasol, God bless her wherever she's at. We'd get those mats out back in the... Do they still do nap time in kindergarten? They need to do nap time for adults, man. We'd have better meetings. Other countries do what us Americans think. We need to run the world. But let me tell you, the other countries are way better heart condition than we are. You lay that mat out and she's like, nap time. How do all the kids go to sleep? Like they have some kind of magical thing. It's like nap time. It's like, oh, it's nap time. How does Steve last sleep? i got to run around some more. But I did. Laid down on the map. I calmed down. The most beautiful thing you can have today is enjoy and give thanks to God and say, God, thank you for providing for my home. Thank you for the beautiful things that you've given to me. God, I give thanks to you. We break bread together. It's not just this ceremonial thing. We break bread together all the time. Isn't it beautiful to break bread with people? One of the best things you can do for your life is to break some bread. 
Rest. You do need to go to sleep at night. And let me give you some practical wisdom. If you have electronics in your bedroom, take them out of your bedroom. Say, well, that's my alarm clock. Take them out. Here's why. Because that light has been proven to keep you awake. And the other thing that will keep you awake for a long time is, how many had that text come in and you knew you had to check it because it was the end of the world if you did it? (laughs) You're like, wait a minute. That could be my winning lottery ticket number. Someone needs me right now. Don't go to bed. Turn the phone off. Do whatever you need to do. But you need to fight for your rest. Because you're going to go crazy during the shipwreck. You're going to go crazy. When you lay your head on the pillow at night, pray this, God, give me rest. I know it's hard to rest. It's hard. It's hard. It's, It's literally a problem in our society. And it affects everything. You literally, it will affect your ability to fight off cancer. Do you know that? A lot of people don't know that. The practical things in life. Man cannot live on potato chips alone. Chips and French dip. It's dairy. By the way, you are no hero by only surviving on a few hours of sleep a night. Can I say that? Well, I prayed 62 hours, Pastor. Yeah, well, look at you. You can't, I can't even hang around with you. You're just grumpy. Because you ain't eating anything. No calories. Nothing. Your body needs to shut down. You need some good lean protein. And by the way, I am no you know, picture of beautiful health. And trying just like everyone else in here. But you need some lean protein and some veggies and some fruit. How about we start there when it comes to our shipwreck and be like Paul and say, guys, you haven't eaten in weeks. And let's really speak to the bigger picture of our health. Do you know when Jesus went through the 40 days of temptation with Satan? Do you know afterwards? Do you know what happened? The angel came to him and ministered to him and he ate. He didn't say, I'm above all this. I don't need that food. He rested his body and he ate. We need food. And we need rest. Okay, I'm done with that. I want you to know that during that time of that shipwreck, you go, man, how, how is this going to work? How is this going to work? Jesus will sustain you. In fact, it will be Christ who sets up a table for you in the midst of your enemies. So it's Christ who sets the table for you. So when we come into the presence of God, we understand that we're not just coming into the presence at church, that we're being sustained through all the phases of our life and all the hard parts. And literally we take the verse and say, God, thank You that You are setting up a table in the midst of my enemies. Charles Swindoll wrote this, a little rhyme, and this is really another deep rhyme here. Row, row, row your boat. Never ever quit. Loyally, faithfully serving Christ, the captain of your ship. 
So as Christ sustains you, you keep doing it and you keep going after it and you keep rowing and you say, what do I do on this shipwreck? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? You keep going, keep going, keep going. George MacDonald writes, think of something that thou ought to do and go and do it. If it be sweeping a room or preparing a meal or visit a friend, heed not thy feelings, do thy work. Don't heed those feelings right now. You're in a dark place. It's okay. Start sweeping. Start working. Make a meal for a friend. Open your eyes and see the rest of the world around you and you will see great things happen because you will not succumb to the shipwreck. Keep rowing. Keep going. Turn to someone and say, keep going. Sandra, if you want to come up here and keep going and keep rowing and keep playing... I want to say to everyone in here, because there's a ton of junk going on, right? Absolutely there is. Please don't give up. Jonathan Martin writes, think about it again tomorrow if you have to, but please not today. Don't let yourself drown. Please do not let the merciless tides tread over your precious head. There is so much life for you. I know because I have found it, and dear God, I want the same for you. He says, don't give up. You can think about that again tomorrow if you must. Why don't we close our eyes for a moment? Don't give up. Today is the family of God. We broke bread together. We partook of Christ's body and His blood. We laughed. We had great jokes about 8675309. <laughs> we had a good time. And life is good. We can laugh. We can enjoy each other's company. We can cry together. We can sit together and not have answers and have it all figured out. We can leave here today with a whole lot more questions. But understand that our God takes care of it all. And we can be settled and understand that even when I didn't do it perfect this week, that Christ was completely faithful to my life. And that He protected me from events and disasters that should have come after me. And God forgives us. He covers us. But just like Paul today, I want to declare, yep, the shipwreck will happen, but you're going to get to the island. You're going to get on dry ground. Today, dear one, I just want to pray for anyone in here. You say, you know what, I'm in the middle of a trauma, a mess situation. And the peace of God would come over you. And you would trust again today in God's faithfulness. It's not about your faithfulness today on the shipwreck. It's about Christ, our Redeemer, who cares for us and raises us up out of the muck and mire. Today, if that's you, I want to pray a a blessing, a hearty blessing over you today and say, we're going to cry with you. We're going to stand with you. And we're going to believe the great thing God's going to see you through and me through in the middle of this storm. If that's you today, I want to have you raise your hand. I want to pray with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's all pray this together. Dear Jesus, 
I'm not giving up. I'm going to keep at it. Thank you, God, for not giving up on me. And for seeing the end of my story, seeing the beginning of my story, and seeing me through this shipwreck. Today I declare, in spite of how I feel, in spite of what I'm going through, that I'm going to trust you, God, to get me through this. I'm going to eat. I'm going to sleep. I'm going to rest. And allow you to be God. I don't know all the answers. And I, I may not ever know them. But I thank you, God, that I can trust you with my heart and my life. I give you me today. I trust you. Amen. Amen. Folks, I love you so much. If there's anything you want prayer for this morning, I'd love to stand with you, love to pray with you, love to cry with you, just love to just be with you. So, but if there's anything you're needing prayer for specifically, let us know. And um, I, I don't have all the answers, but I just want you to know this is the last time we talk about the shipwrecks. No. We go to Happy Town next week. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Oh, yes. What's, what's uh, Lindell? Okay. Lord, we just thank you today for Lindell. And right now, Father, he's going to be facing some surgery. Um, Lord, I just pray, God, that your healing hand would be upon him. And I thank you for his life, Lord Jesus. And we just send your word right now over its California. Yes. Into California, God. And we just pray a blessing over him that you would heal him and that by your stripes he is healed. I pray that you touch him and a mighty miracle would happen through this. And God, he would be drawn close to you through this situation. And it's in the precious name of Jesus we all pray. Amen. Amen. Folks, what an awesome day. I'm just going to pray a blessing over today, and then we've got some awesome treats out there. We can uh, break bread together out there. Amen. Lord, we just thank you for this day. Thank you for our family. I thank you, God, that you get us through the storm and that you're the strong tower that we can run to. And that you're the name above every name. And God, I just pray today over all the families, God, that we're able to work through the situations because you give us the wisdom. You give us the guidance. You guide us through. You take us through little back roads, God, that we didn't even think was the right way to go. And you take us there and all of a sudden we find the treasure. Thank you, God, for the treasures that will be found in and through this. We can't explain it. We don't know about it. And all of a sudden our eyes are opened. God, we trust you today with our church. We trust you today with the families. We trust you today with the opportunities. And thank you, God, that you're bringing us from glory to glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys so much. Have a wonderful day.